Welcome to the Industry Insider, brought to you by Promo Corner. Each week, promotional product professionals Meg Erber, Jeff Franklin, and Stephen McFadden, along with special guests, will discuss industry news, trends, and events with a focus on educating the promotional products industry. The Industry Insider, the nerdy news you need to know. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Industry Insider, your promotional products podcast where you can get all the nerdy news you need to know about. My name is Jeff Franklin, National Accounts Manager with Hidware USA. I'm joined today by three other lovely folks. But of course, before we get to them, we got to tell you about our fine sponsors for today. Greater Pacific is a direct manufacturer of custom OEM products selling to the promotional products industry with 27 plus years experience, specializing in over 10 product categories. They can source and deliver most any product for you. Greater Pacific is full service sourcing product and managing every aspect of production with staff on the ground in Asia and utilizing their time tested 20 step project management protocol. No need to worry about control or quality control, uh, product safety, CPSIA compliance, or the hundreds of details related to custom manufacturing. Greater Pacific oversees every aspect for you. Their global logistics team is in-house. Customs brokering ensure timely, seamless delivery. This is how you uh, provide the ultimate manufacturing experience. And they're they're backed by uh, they back this claim with a 30-day production guarantee on all orders. So head over to greaterpacific.com to learn more. Uh, why don't we say hey to Meg Erber? Meg, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm a little bare on the walls and my racks today. I've been on the road every day this week, so it's just easier to just keep everything in my truck versus bring it in. Yeah, it looks like you've actually cleaned up the joint a little bit. <laughs> it is clean, except for like those boxes or whatever. But... Very cool. You know, how are you, Jeff? You know, I'm uh, I'm I'm good. You know, road warrior this week and next yeah. week and doing the whole thing. So it's regional trade show time. You know, I'm sure that you guys are experiencing the same thing. Stephen, how are you doing? Doing great. Um, I actually just got back from traveling as well. Um, had a client conference uh this past weekend they decided it would be great to have it on a weekend so um there's that but it was uh it was good i i'm living the supplier life for the first couple few months because i have it's like five trips in the first three months so i'm like yeah i i get it i get it <laughs> so I don't, only five I don't, in three months I mean, they're really long. Does that make any difference? <laughs> How long is long? Well, this one was three. The Vegas one, which counts because we were all there. <laughs> I was there for six and seven, six days. Um, next one is five days. Oh, that is rough. Those ones that are long. Rough. I'd prefer to them to be like 48 hours, but yeah, um, you know, in and then out the next day. But these are like longer conferences, which I'm not thrilled about, but I am thrilled to see all the people which has been fantastic. So, Very well, cool. even with all of our travel, I it's nothing compared to what Michelle's been doing. I mean, she's literally been in different countries, what nonstop. So, I'll let her tell us about that. But she's all over the place. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, can't wait. Yeah, it's been great. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. I, yep. um, I'm Michelle Bell, and I'm the vice president of editorial and education and special events at ASI. And as Megan said, I have been, I think I did the math. It was like three shows, five countries, 14 flights, Ooh. three and a half weeks. So much like you guys, you just kind of have to power through it, right? You just, mm -hmm. you just do it. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's like, because the last three years, there wasn't a lot of travel. I wasn't really on the road as much either. And then it's just, 
I feel like I, I know I'm booked every single month except for March with a big trip. So it's a lot. It's it, it's a lot. I'm, with, I'm with Steven. It's nice to, to see people again and to see everybody kind of coming back yeah. in, in big throngs. You know, the one show I went to, Megan, I told you about PSI in Dusseldorf, which was um, two weeks ago. They didn't do a show last year. So they literally had not done a show since 2020, which was um, a mistake for sure on their part. They should have come back last year. But it was fantastic to see so many people in the European promo market come back. Yeah, I'll say I think it's trending. I'm oh, sorry, real quick. We're, I mean, just this year alone, I think the trade shows, all of them have been like, I think the best pre-pandemic, like best. Sorry, that's all I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. good. So, Michelle, uh, for those of us that don't know who you are, uh, it is customary for us to give our special guest a good three to four minutes to introduce yourself, maybe how you got started in the commercial products industry and uh, what you've been up to since. And then we'll uh, sort of take it away into the into the topic for today. Sure. Well, thank you for that, Jeff. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I've been at ASI. It will be 26 years this April. And um, I was actually headhunted. I was living at the Jersey Shore at the beach, uh, freelancing as a freelance writer, just hanging out and, you know, partying. And I was headhunted by uh, Tim Andrews' predecessor, the, the um, CEO at the time, by this place called the Advertising Specialty Institute, which, of course, you know, what is that? What is that? It sounds like rehab. Like, what does that even mean? Um, an institute who wants to go work there. And I certainly didn't know what promotional products were. So, um, but I was intrigued. It was a position to be a senior editor of the editorial team. So I went and, you know, here I am 26 years later and, you know, have loved every, pretty much every minute of it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> we've talked about the extensive, uh, you know, you know, experience that you have, obviously, with uh, everything that you've done and all the travel, obviously, we just talked about. Uh, so the topic for today, we, we want to talk about the European promo market and uh, how they're sparking creativity. And then we also want to talk about, you know, the Chinese uh, worker shortage as well. So um, I don't know, Meg, did you have any specific questions to sort of kick off the conversation? Well, I mean, when Michelle and I were talking... <laughs> <laughs> um, she had actually, I, she was, um, I don't even know where to start on this. It was really about the European promo market and the creativity. And uh, I know there are like steps ahead of us when it comes to sustainability. And you would send me this picture um, how this one company an exhibitor had used, had brought a reclaimed tree in and used that mm -hmm. to kind of lean on the message that their company uh, is sustainable. So tell us a little bit about that, what you're seeing over there, some of the trends um, and what they're doing, bringing to market. Yeah, 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 of course. So the PSI show in Dusseldorf really for many years was the largest promo show in Europe. And in its heyday, it was nine halls and about, if you can imagine, 15 to 1600 exhibitors. So huge. And, you know, it's it's diminished and gotten smaller over the years. This year it had about 500 exhibitors. Again, I think, you know, they, they lost a little bit missing a year from the show, but they had 11,000 attendees. So bigger wow. than Vegas even. So it pulls mainly from Germany, obviously, because it's sitting in Dusseldorf. Just to give you guys a little bit of background, Germany is the largest market for promo in Europe. And they're not great with data over there, market data um, in Europe, because it's not one big, it's not like the United States, which is just one country, right? It's a whole bunch of little countries. And, you know, a lot of them don't do the market data. Mm -hmm. So our best guess for Germany is it about, it's about you know, a $2 billion Euro industry, which puts it at about 2.1 US dollars, billion, right? The next biggest market is the UK. So that's the show I was at last week, Merchandise World in the UK. So the UK and Ireland 
probably they actually do have really good data in the UK, courtesy of Sourcing City. So they do a lot of data collection there. So they're about 1.13 billion, I would say British pounds, which puts it at about 1.4 billion US. So much smaller than our markets, obviously, but you know, still fairly robust. So they're the two largest. And then after that, you get France and Italy and Spain and all of that good stuff. So the show at PSI, while much smaller from an, um, an exhibitor standpoint, you know, Megan, you asked specifically about product design and the way they merchandise product. I've been going to that show for 20 years. Honestly, they've always, their booths are bigger there. So they have more space to work with. But the way they present their product, it's, um, it's very retail inspired. And their product design, there's certain areas where Europe is just, you know, they're, they're a little bit ahead of us as far as, you know, their products, I would say, are they're elegant, they're retail, like they're high end. And especially now where people are gravitating away from the, the cheaper items, you know, it just really resonates with, with people when they see it. There were a handful of North American people. The, the downside of PSI is that typically it overlaps with Vegas. So very few people from the North American market can go. Mm. This year, um, Dana Zezzo and the CFO of American Solutions for Business were there for the first time. Carlene Gray from Stalls was there. You're, you're muted, Meg. You're muted, Meg. Never mind. Okay. Um, and two Canadian distributors were there. So none of them had been to the show before. And just to watch the expressions on their faces when they saw you know, the booths, the way they, the, the products are merchandised in the booth, so creative. Um, the way that when you go into a booth, so Stephen, if you were going, if you were going into Jeff's booth, you're going in for an hour. You're sitting, Jeff's giving you a coffee, something to eat, some wine, some Prosecco. That's right, Jeff. And you're in, you're in that booth for an hour and it's much more consultative. It's much more um, talking about specific plans in depth. So it was fascinating to watch it from the perspective of Dana and Carlene and, and Colin from McKay promo in Canada, you know, and they were just, I mean, they were, they loved it, honestly, and, and saw immediately the difference between North American shows and European shows. Um, I would say, look, they're not great at everything. We're better at many things. We're way better at data collection, way better at, I would say, production and imprinting methods. Um, certainly we, our turnaround time is better in the U.S. So these are all things that the Europeans look to us for as far as, you know, what we, what they can learn from us. While I was there is when the announcement came out about Halo being a billion dollar distributor. And they just can't grasp the, the scale of that because our industry is so much bigger than theirs. So they can, were. Can I ask you a question about that real quick? Because yeah. I, I, I don't want to lose my, my train of thought here. You yeah. mentioned some of the data between the European markets, the, or excuse me, the UK and then Germany. Um, and then I, you mentioned the size of the show being attendee wise yeah. Yeah. more than Vegas almost. Yeah. So is it that much more saturated or is it. Um, you know, because that many that many people, same amount of attendees, but a market that's one twenty fifth. You know, it seems like that would be a very saturated market. But I hear that there's so much opportunity there as well. So there's there's huge opportunity, Stephen. You're right about that. And I would say two things. Number one, so I asked Dana Zezo. I said, you know, I love that you're here, but what? Like, I'm curious why you're here. You know, you've never been. Mm -hmm. And he said, look, you know, it's being driven by my my reps 
now have global clients because it's so much easier now to have global clients because yeah. of the way we all communicate. And he goes, I have to be able to support them and tell them who the big and reputable suppliers are in Europe. And I don't know that until I'm physically here. The other thing, you know, I, I said about their data with the exception of the UK, because sourcing city, you know, the UK is a little different because of Brexit. It doesn't operate under the same rules and regulations as the rest of Europe. They have very strict rules for data collection. So they're simply not allowed in many cases to survey the way we do in the US. You know, they're not allowed to ask certain questions. They're not allowed to randomly contact clients. You know, so they're much more hamstrung than we are. So, you know, you, you try to do the best guesstimates that you can um, and, and go from there. But it's, I would say that because PSI next year does not overlap with PPAI, which is a rarity, I would encourage mm -hmm. people to go and see what it's like. And, you know, the same with the Merchandise World Show, much smaller for the UK market. However, the UK market is much easier for North American people to get into because you don't have the language barrier. You know, and Michelle, yeah. Would, would ASI like to sponsor the Industry Insider going to Dusseldorf for, for PSI? <laughs> if I can with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this because as you were talking and I'm thinking my brain is running 100 miles an hour. I, I'm mine like, too. okay, I, 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 I want to go to one of these shows. I want to know more about this. But yep. I also have to think practically. If, if I were to go to a show like that and knowing that I may not have a global market, but if I went with the mindset of, let me see how it can be done, right? Like you said, the innovation and some yep. of the sustainability and stuff. What, is there a way to apply that back here or even use some of those suppliers here? Is there any overlap or is it, is, would it just be me having to source all of those amazing ideas to bring them in? Does that make sense? You, it, it does. You'd have to source a lot. The good news, Stephen, again, since I've been going to that show for 20 years, it used to be incredibly difficult to try right. to source product between North America and Europe. It's not anymore. It's much, much easier. And, you know, let me just say this. As far as sustainability goes, and I told Megan this, you know, I was seeing sustainable items 15 years ago there, and I would roll my eyes in the back of my head going, like, hmm. who in the hell in the U.S. is ever going to use a pen made out of coffee grounds? But that's how far ahead they were of us. Now, wow. we have caught up significantly, but the amount of vendors there that do incredibly innovative and new things with sustainability, for that alone, I would say it's it's an interesting thing hmm. to see and to go. The other thing is product design. I used I see product design, color, finishes, textures there that I will see in the US market in a few months. It used to be much a much longer lead time. It used to take the US about a year to kind of absorb those mm -hmm. trends. We're much better now. But I'll see things there from a product design standpoint first before I see them anywhere else. It's interesting. You mentioned that I used to have customers out in the Los Angeles area and me being on the East Coast. And when I would go and visit them, I would go to certain shops and streets and look at things. And then I would come back and tell my East Coast people, I'm like, three, three to six months, you'll be seeing these patterns and designs. Now, obviously, the the world has gotten smaller and sure. social media has made it where things are pretty much instant across the country, but there was still that gap. It's, you know, you listen to the top a uh, hundred songs in LA and you'd come back home and I'd be like, Oh, I, I heard this three months ago. It was the number one song already. So, so, you know, yeah. you wonder is like, is this a way to kind of get a glimpse into the future of promo? Um, for sure. Show like this. Yeah. And I would say, look, the people and you don't have to be one of the biggest companies like at the Merchandise World show in the UK last week. You know, yes, Craig Nadell was there because Nadell has a London office. 
Um, but, you know, so were, you know, it, Kenny Ved was there from Gold Star. Gold Star was exhibiting. Storm Tech from Canada was exhibiting because mm -hmm. they see the value of tapping mm -hmm. into global markets. As much as they have to offer us, we as Americans, I mean, they just are fascinated by our market and, you know, the size of it, what we can do, how fast we are. Our technology, that is one area where, we're, I, I, honestly, we have them beat hands down. We have so much better technology here as far as being industry specific. That's really so interesting. Stephen, I kind of like the line of questioning when it, in regards to like, you know, the, the attendees and the size difference from our show versus theirs. So like I in regards to the booths, you said, you know, the booths there are bigger and, you know, so I mean, is the booth space less expensive? then to exhibit as well because i mean you're talking about like you said a, a tenth of the size of yeah. of our shows or or our industry but bigger booths well 120 yeah yeah huge, really it's huge booths. so again they are not hamstrung by some things that you know raise your hand if this sounds familiar Unions. so they can serve alcohol in the booth <laughs> at the merchandise world show they did free breakfast and free lunch every day so the costs of putting on events there are much more um mm friendly to the, the the person hosting the event so you don't have things like um uh teamsters in chicago for example or a place like that where you're being hit with like a corkage fee to open a bottle in a booth and mm -hmm. you know the size of the booth so they're much much bigger but the costs are not as exorbitant as they are in north america for sure mm -hmm. so right now for example there's a show going on and it's a growing show and it's one i'm watching i'll probably go next year it's called ctco and it's in lyon france and it draws from a completely different market than PSI does. For PSI, you're getting, you know, obviously the Germans, you know, on that side of Europe. This show is pulling from Southern Europe. So you're getting the French, the Italians, the Spanish. The, the caveat is that at the Dusseldorf show in PSI, most people speak English. Mm. The CTO show, which I went to once, let me just tell you, my high school French got a workout because very <laughs> few of them um, speak English. So you got it. There's a little bit of heavy lifting involved. But um, as far as, again, design, product, display, the way they merchandise things, um, it's just fantastic. And it's just a really good experience to go to. I would rec I always recommend that people from the U.S. who can go. Mm -hmm. So what did you see were the top products or trends that are over there that may not be over here? Is there anything that we're missing that they were like just killing it with over there? You know, I would say the breadth of the sustainability items that was really the thing like every single booth had sustainability options there were suppliers that are 100 sustainable there was a a new supplier that i saw in merchandise world that you know every single product in their 500 page recycled catalog was sustainable and you could track the the, the co2 output and you know everything they're so good at documenting things like that i found an electronics company called baby usb at merchandise world and they had like this little flat recycled paper, solar powered calculator that I just thought was, cute. but that was the whole booth. I mean, things like that, just amazing. That's, wow. That's mind blowing. That really is. And then yeah. I guess, you know, talking about all these technology products would, I guess, segue into the next topic if, unless there's anything else, but um, labor shortages. I mean, this isn't something that's going away. And now we're seeing that there's even a smaller pool to, to, to pull laborers from, I guess. Let, let's talk about that a little bit. So I think, you know, you guys certainly would know this too, but to me, the area that, that we're going to see that hit us most is, is China. And, you know, oh boy, do I love being on my soapbox about how this industry is so dependent on China. I mean, Megan, if I told you that I was a distributor and 95% of my business came from one client or one market, you would think I was a crazy person. 
You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a little insane to me, although I understand it because of the infrastructure in China, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but due to, you know, political things happening over there, look, there's two reasons they are sig suffering significant labor shortages for years since 1980, they've had a one child policy in China. Now I'm not a population expert, but that's going to come back and bite you in the ass in some way. Okay. You know, and you, you tack on to that, that for many, many years, they had a propensity to keep, you know, they did, I, you know, I've been to going to, to China for 17 years. They would, you know, put little baby girls up for adoption. So you've got a male dominant dominated population that's shrinking. And then much like here in North America, you've got young people who don't want to do jobs like their parents and they don't want to work in factories, you know, that are hot for 18 hours a day. So you've got a young population in China that's shrinking. They don't want to work in the factories. We're going to see that in this industry because, as I said to you, Meg, if a Walmart and a PCNA or a HIT goes into a factory and they've got orders, who do you think the order, if they have a reduced production cycle, is going to fulfill first? Let me end the suspense. It's not PCNA or CJ. You know what I'm saying? So that's going to cycle its way down to, to our industry. You know, here's what I think is smart. Many suppliers, CJ being one of them, actually, are looking to places like Vietnam, Bangladesh, Turkey for textiles, mm -hmm. um, and Mexico. I, I yes. give HPG all the credit in the world because buying Evans gave them Mexico because Evans has, they have a facility in Mexico. So that was very smart of them. You know, CJ, as he told me recently, has taken out a bunch of his production from China and is moving it to Vietnam. Also very smart. They, for the first time, now have their own show. So that's in April, actually. So Vietnam has a show in Ho Chi Minh. Um, I won't go to that this year, but maybe I would go next year just to see what it's like. But if I if you were to ask me, Meg, one place that people can look to look to look to Vietnam, Vietnam, their infrastructure is being built up fast and they don't have the same labor and political issues that I'm kind here that China does. That's really good to know because that's something that's not common knowledge to someone like me, Stephen. I know, Jeff, you are kind of deal with a lot of production. You might know more than we do, but that's really good really, really good to know. I mean, I, I don't even get to, to deal with that aspect of it, but just having that knowledge, I know we, we have a brand, Toltex, that is in Mexico. And um, just because the U.S., you might want to say that right, USMC, the, it took over the North American leader. I don't, I don't know some leadership. The North American treaty. I'm, treaty, I'm treaty I should know this. I'm NAFTA. so sorry. That's yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. NAFTA. <laughs> um, it, we can get the goods back. Bre Brexit. Back yeah. <laughs> <Stuck> <laughs> or two. Um, but no, and I think just having you on the show, it was, you're such a wealth of information. And I, I think we're, we're hearing a lot about CJ and everything that they're doing lately. It's the second time, second podcast in a row, his name's popped up. So we have to drag him on here. So I, I okay, oh, go, go ahead, Michelle. No, no, I was gonna say, look, he, he is arguably, I, when I'm in, when we're both in China and, and I haven't been there since before COVID, but I would always laugh, like all the vendors know him by name. I was like, you're like Madonna. Like they don't even know his, they're like CJ, like, they just know him. So, you know, his business is so large in China, but I give him all the credit in the world for, for seeing that and, and pulling a significant amount out of there, um, which is wise. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I don't know if you have any info or knowledge about any of this, but I'll shoot from the hip. Um, you know, obviously there's there's been a lot of things in, in China that we're seeing in regards to the chip manufacturing and there was the, the iPhone facilities and there is all sorts of restrictions yeah. with um, um, their, the way they're handling some of the virus stuff over there. Um, 
and, and I know there's got to be a trickle down, especially with the chips. Um, so any news to share on that or any developments that we should be aware of? You know, I would say not the chips specifically, Stephen, but what I would say is, look, again, I've been in those factories. Jeff, I don't know if you've ever been overseas to see those factories, but um, they're not on their on their best day. They're not like the, the most well-ventilated, healthiest places to be. So I would say during COVID, you know, with, with the lockdowns, the restrictions, the quarantines, you know, their supply chain was constricted so significantly. Yes, it's starting to come back. But if you factor in then the, the young workforce that doesn't want to go back, they don't, they're not good. Much like in the U.S. where people aren't going back to the jobs they had, same thing. Because 95% of our imported products come from China, you know, you do the math, that invariably is going to, to hit us. Um, and, and especially in areas like drinkware, electronics, you know, so I know I, I mm -hmm. kind of. No, that's, it is helpful. I, it's, it's, uh, I think with the way uh, social is now, you can, you get all these videos a lot more up close and personal than, than we used to. And when you see videos like the, the whole apartment places with all the stuff being thrown out and just people leaving and running. It's like, yeah. wow. I mean, it's What's going it's, on, right? It's exactly. a lot. Um, it's a lot to consume and it's hard to know like really what's going on so far, you know, on the other side of the world. Right. So, and as you mentioned, we're, we're greatly impacted by all of it. So just trying to have a better pulse on it, but maybe we are, maybe we aren't. And it just depends on the industry and the market, but obviously there's going to be some sort of effect um, as we learned anything over the past few years, one small ripple affects a big chain of the supply chain. So, of, of, listen, yeah. of course. And that's why I think it's so important, Stephen. Like, you know, as much as I love going to the European shows and I loved Hong Kong, which is a very different place now, but I never loved going to China for many reasons. I, it, it, it's a laborious, difficult trip. And being in those factories is not a pleasant experience in many ways. The people are lovely, yeah. but there's it's challenging. Um, but I just think it's so important to go, I mean, just to kind of circle back to your overarching topic here, yeah. it's so important to to visit overseas um, events and to go to suppliers there. And I mean, even Canada, you know, I always make a point to go to the Canadian show because, you know, you just get to see a different way of doing business from the way we do here. And you just learn so much. So as someone who has my mindset on going to one of these shows now in the future, where would you start? Would it be the PSI show? I would definitely say PSI, especially, Stephen, because it does not overlap next year from PPAI. So next year it is from January 9th to the 11th. Okay. And I'm happy to, you know, I helped Dana. And I felt like when I was walking the show, I had these six little ducklings walking behind me because <laughs> they had never done this show before. So I'm happy to kind of, you know, be, be a tour guide and tell you where to stay and where to go and all that good stuff. But it's a very easy show to go to. Again, most people speak English. They're thrilled. They just love Americans there. Love, love, love. And they just want to know everything about our industry and how do we get so big? And oh my God, you have $2 billion distributors now. Like they're just enamored by what we do. Yeah. Wait till you tell them about the buying groups and what they're up to as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> their heads will roll. Sure. Or wait till you tell them that you were on the podcast with the industry oh, yeah. insider crew. I yeah. Mean. Have you ever had a celebrity come with you, Michelle? I mean, that's, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. I think ASI <laughs> should sponsor our trip over there next year, you know? Um, like, these guys are the time. top podcast of that huge industry. These are them. Swarmed, swarmed by the Germans. <laughs> and Stephen, to talk to your point with the chips, I have had my truck for almost a year. It'll be a year in March. 
I just had the front seats, the front heated seats chips installed. That's not the steering wheel. That's not the air conditioning. And that's not the back seat. And I'm sorry that I'm acting all bougie, but once you have heated seats and a hearing steering wheel in this cold ass territory, you can't go back. You can't. It's really hard for me to get in my nice car. Champagne <laughs> problems, Meg. Champagne problems, Meg. Champagne problems. But yeah, yeah, the chip thing. So it's been a year and I still don't even have. Um, so I, I don't know when I'm going to even get them. So there's big delays there. So Michelle, what do you see is for, for a lot of the suppliers that are pulling out of China and going to other manufacturing locations, what are you seeing as their the, the biggest hurdles for those for those companies? Because obviously, I mean, China is just such a, a beast with the infrastructure and, and the skilled labor. It is. And that, that's what it's going to be, Jeff. You know, look, Vietnam is making huge strides very quickly with its infrastructure, but it still does not compare to China. Um, so I think it's important to look at other areas. So when I was at the PSI show, they kind of bucket their um, booths by themes too. And I was like, where am I? All of a sudden there were all of these exhibitors from Turkey. And I was like, what am I seeing here? And it was all of the, it was bags and textiles. Mm. So I hadn't realized, and I did a little research into it, that Turkey has become an emerging market for, um, for material for textiles and bags, which I thought was fascinating. Mm. So, you know, if you dig into it a little bit, you can find pockets around the globe where they're doing really, and Bangladesh is another one, by the way, that uh, that I'm hearing a lot of people are um, going because they're starting to build up quickly. Look, a lot of money is pouring into these places because they know that people need another option from China. So you've got a lot of investment from the governments and from people pouring into these countries to build up the infrastructure. Sure. Good to know. All right. Good Any other know. questions, Meg or Steven? I don't. Well, Michelle, who do you have for the Super Bowl? Eagles or Chiefs? Well, let me say this. I love that little Patrick Mahomes. I just think he's adorable. But I think that they would roast me on a spit if I said anything other than the Eagles. I, I mean, we have Jalen Hurts. He's also adorable. It's, it's, it's Kansas City. The AFC is definitely beating the NFC. It's it's not happening. It didn't matter no. if the Bengals won that game. The Bengals would have beat the the, the Eagles. Come on, please. You I think, take I, back, Mr. Franklin, I think I think the I think Bengals would have won. But I model closet agrees. Chiefs are are super banged up. They are I super banged up. It's like really bad. Like they're they're probably at their weakest all season going into the Super Bowl, and that's that's a scary time to be that week. Yeah. Um, I would say Philly if I had to guess. We have the best fans. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, okay. I fear for my no. city for the next two weeks. I got people hanging off streetlights. I've got people I know. crazy. They said they greased the streetlights. I don't think that even mattered. <laughs> So, so I, I will Philly say they're greasing the poles. It doesn't mean what you think it means. It means they're <laughs> greasing the street poles so people can't climb up and swing from them, which they yes. do anyway. Yes. The shameless plug. Uh, that is where I will be next week. And uh, we're going to be yeah, live from the Super that's, Bowl. That's right. And uh, Mr. Hunt yeah. is always uh, in attendance at our events. So I've met him a few times, him and his wife. So I can't really say Philly. Fine. I probably have to say Kansas City if he hears this. But um, but no, but Philly's gonna Philly's probably gonna win that game. So, yeah. <laughs> so. awesome. Thanks, Is for Jeff frozen, me, guys. I think Jeff's frozen. If he is, <laughs> um, this podcast. Thank you all for joining. Was brought thank to you, you by Greater Pacific. Do we um, have the ad read? I'm, that's what I'm doing off the top of okay. my head. Greater. All right. Pacific, uh, great options for sourcing product, and they have all of your regulations figured out so that so you don't have to worry about it. So make sure you check out Greater Pacific. <laughs>
Thank you guys and all tune in for, next uh, week. for attending. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. And I will monologue, I suppose. All right, everybody, take care.